Hello everyone and welcome back to the Barely Bookish podcast. Today we are going to be continuing on with Kindred. So if you haven't listened to the earlier episodes, please be sure to go back and listen to those first and then come back and listen to this episode as we go through Kindred. I'm joined today by Candace, uh, who's been in the last few episodes. So I'm sure you all will have a great, good, fun time t- listening to even more Kindred and talking about this spectacular book. Getting back into the book, back into the reading, yes. back into our chapter, uh, yes. we find out that Alice and her husband were caught in five days. I I don't know. Maybe it's just like the romanticizing it, but I thought they would have actually escaped. Yeah, I, I was hoping that they would, especially because of her freed status. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that like, from from what I remember and like reading and things like that, um, people used to if, if you found a free person like if you were a, if you were a, a, a mischievous or uh, uncaring or unfeeling white person and like to say that is kind of a cop-out because most people at this time period mm-hmm. were racist just by nature of the society itself yeah um they systemic systemic racism absolutely has a source mm-hmm. you know it's always been a system mm-hmm. um and i think that like i remember reading and this like broke my heart that a lot of freed people you'd have to be careful and be safe and have like backup copies of your papers because if a white person especially in the south found you Mm -hmm. and didn't believe that you were free or didn't care that you were free they could rip up your papers and just like sell you like they could just like take you and act like you were their slave and like nobody would believe what you were saying no i'm free i have papers whatever they would just rip your papers up or burn them and then kidnap you essentially like that was fine like that was okay so even being free wasn't necessarily in certain places in this country like even being free wasn't safe Mm -hmm. so i look at someone like alice and i and like her husband especially because he's walking around with injuries too it's not like he you know looks like nothing happened to him like he's got you know he's got you know wounds all over his hands from you know from beating rufus up Mm -hmm. she's got a bloody face like they're not exactly inconspicuous you know what i mean traveling at that time Mm-hmm. and um yeah it must have been it must have been a hellish experience yeah and like i also think how do you even get copies of those papers because it's not like they have like copiers you have to ask the person who wrote it for you mm-hmm. to write you copies like that's how people used to do it like a copy was just literally two ver- like two pieces of paper mm-hmm. that are exactly the same it wasn't even like you could make you know what i mean like so the person would have to sign like all three of your you know, mm-hmm. your backups or whatever. So that's what I'm saying. Like it was, and no one's going to do was that no way to win. Yeah, yeah. There was just no way to win. You know what I mean? You're lucky enough that you have the first paper, mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what I mean? let alone the rest of them. <sighs> so yeah, really rough, really, really rough. Yeah. So Dana wrote a letter to Kevin, obviously to t- say that she was home and Rufus is going to town to send this letter, mm-hmm. but he also secretly is going to purchase Alice but yeah, he's totally going to send that letter. Right, everyone? Sure right. is. Totally going to do that. He is. He's so honorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he's in town, one of the things that really struck me is like the banter between Nigel and uh, and Rufus. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I think like shocked me the hardest is like Nigel, like when they get into the buggy or whatever to go, like I wrote down like a little note mm-hmm. <laughs> when they get like, when they're getting ready to go um, kind of explore 
you know, their options to, to get Alice and to help her out, quote unquote, help her out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that, 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 that I, that they, that they kind of start doing is being playful with one another. Like Nigel, like throws like some dirt or some grass or something at Rufus and he catches it and they're laughing and he's like, see, he's taking advantage of my weekend state. And for mm-hmm. a minute you get like this flashback to when they were kids and they were like friends, they were best buddies, mm-hmm. but it's so nefarious because deep down inside, you know, that like, they are not friends. This is not a friendship. Yeah. There is an extreme like imbalance of power here, mm-hmm. right? where one person has ownership of someone you can't own somebody right that's mm-hmm. not real but they made it real mm-hmm. so this person has to be nice he has to take him there he has to believe that like either he has to believe that that Rufus has you know Alice's best interests at heart or he has to recognize that he is an that he is this kind of monster mm-hmm. of a person that's been raised to be awful to other human beings and know that he is the shepherd basically that is like carrying him to his destination mm-hmm to bring Alice home. And like, I can't imagine what that must feel like for Nigel. Because he grew up with Alice too. It's not like only Rufus knows Alice. Yeah. And it's like, it's not even that Nigel even has the choice because of course, if like Nigel says no, yeah, one, he'll get beat and two, Rufus will just go on his own. You know, it doesn't change a single thing. It just puts like Nigel in a worse place. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. So, when Rufus brings Alice home, she is unconscious, she's in really, really bad shape, and Dana has to clean her up and try and play doctor. Mm-hmm. While basically still trying to figure out if, you know, her uh, family line has started on Rufus's current actions. Which is horrifying, because Alice is also in Rufus's room, and she literally has to be like, yeah... Can you just like not while she's yeah. healing? And Rufus is like, I would never, blah, blah, blah. But uh, nobody knows that. Nobody knows that because you've already tried. Someone said, right. no, you still tried. Right. Well, I mean, he even kind of, he never answers Dana when she asks him if he did more than try. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to believe that she, that he's already put his hands on her, that he oh, did yeah. succeed. Um, and I think the thing that like really messed me up too was like, when they bring the wagon around, right, and Dana sees her for the first time, and she mm-hmm. sees how mangled she is, and she sees, you know, how, how like, ruined she is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear that, like, Rufus at least does care about Alice in some way, because he's like, you know, you know spare no expense, somebody help her, you know, if mm-hmm. you can help her, please, like, let's focus, like, he's really being very, um, take charge about her mm-hmm. care. But again, like what she wants doesn't matter. Like she's already said no and he still insists on putting her in his bed and then sleeping next to her while Mm -hmm. she heals. Not even giving his bed up, which like, again, I get it. She's a slave. He's a slave owner, whatever. But like if you're somebody who's saying, oh, and if it were 1976, I would marry her. Mm -hmm. That still isn't enough for him to be nice to her, to be basically considerate. You know what I mean? And like, I think the other thing that like messed me up is, is like, just just the conversation that everybody is having about all of this, right? About how Alice is different and, you know, um, like what he wants out of her and Sarah's perspective of, you know, well, maybe it'll be, it won't be as bad for her if she lets him have what he wants. Mm-hmm. That, that to me, I think like the reactions of the people that are also enslaved on that plantation, like, or, or, or in, that, in that farm, farmland, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that chilled me to to my bones 
like to my bones to hear that apathy because they're just like there's no getting out right Mm -hmm. like a few years ago kanye west decided to like pop off at the mouth and talk about how slavery must have been a choice for people after a while right because they stayed and i remember just kind of being enraged by that because obviously that's the most idiotic thing that like he's said yet really Mm -hmm. um and he said a lot of whoppers but like there was no choice. It was either a violent and vicious uprising where you murdered everybody on the plantation that wasn't a slave mm-hmm. or <laughs> you died. Yeah. Right. Or you just continue to live this life. Like that's not really a choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like deciding that you're going to take the lives of men, women, and children isn't something that these slaves are entering into lightly. And I think that that speaks volumes when you think about, you know, the idea of savages, right? How they used to call black people, you know, enslaved savages, mm-hmm. right? But if they were savages, there wouldn't have been slavery for very long because they would have just killed everybody. Yeah. They had to think about what it was going to mean for them to have an uprising and to murder somebody and take a life. They had to think about that. Mm-hmm. But these slave owners aren't thinking about that at all. And like you see that best of all with Sarah, like Sarah is this strong and intelligent and an extraordinarily capable person, right? Mm-hmm. She you know, is the cook and she's seen as the aunt of the entire farm, right? Like Mm -hmm. everybody respects her. And she still points out, you know, that person is, is lazy. That person's not doing what they need to do. And Dana's like, I don't understand. Like Mm -hmm. everybody's in the same boat. And Sarah's like, right. But if they don't do their work, I'm the one who's going to pay for it. Yeah. So then it becomes Mm self-preservation. And when you look back at this time period, it's like, you know, you have a woman, you sell off all her kids. She has one remaining kid. She's going to do what you want for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Because she's just really, can't, you just can't sell her last child. Mm-hmm. Please don't sell my last baby. I'll do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like they break you. It's yeah. like a pattern of an, a pattern of of breaking and breaking and breaking and breaking people. And like Alice is somebody who was strong up until this point, right? Mm-hmm. She sees her dad, you know, get assaulted. She sees her mom get assaulted when Dana comes the first time. You know that there's probably more incidents like that. You know he probably died. Somebody probably killed him, right? Or mm-hmm. arrested him, sent him downriver or whatever. So this is somebody who already has like been through so much only to then arrive at this moment where she is free. She has a husband. The two of them try to escape and they tie her up like an animal and force her to keep up with the horse mm-hmm. that she's, t- that she's literally tied to. And when she can't, they beat her mm-hmm. and then sell her. Yeah. And like, like, she has to be, she literally then gets purchased and lives right next door to her freed home. Like I don't, I I can't, that is something that I have a very hard time processing. I think like this is the longest break I had to take in this book so far is like realizing that like Rufus has purchased her and like, they're not even talking to Alice about it. Like Alice Mm -hmm. is still unconscious. She's still healing, whatever. She has no idea Mm -hmm. at this point what's going on or what her fate is, but like everybody else knows Mm -hmm. everyone else knows. So for someone like Aunt Sarah, right. For somebody like, I don't know, Nigel. What does that look like to them? This person was born free and is now a slave. Mm-hmm. What is the point of fighting? Right? Like, yeah. I wouldn't fight. I'd be like, maybe I can just be quiet and limp along until the end of my days. And hopefully they won't hurt any of my family. Like, that's that's probably what I would do. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would be prepared to kill people for that. Because even if you do, even if you succeed, like Nat Turner, right? Let's say you succeed and you kill everybody right Mm -hmm. like someone's gonna kill you too you know what i mean it's not like it ends there you know what i mean like it's the greatest self-sacrifice ever like i just that one threw me 
that one threw me for a loop. That was the moment that I was like, oh, oh man. The worst part too is you kind of have to like cope with the fact that he obviously doesn't really love her because he knows she was born free and he will not set her free now that he finally has his nails in there. Yep. He still does that to her Mm -hmm. and he knows what it means. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's ignorant to it. He knows the gravity of it because when, you know, he's confronted with that truth, when Dana's like, what did you do? He was like, well, you know, that was the only way I could get her home. Okay. But what are you doing now? Yeah. How are you going to fix this? How are you making this right? You say you care about her. Set her free. Yeah. She has a house already. It's not going to cost him any money. Mm -hmm. He's not losing any property. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just doing this for his own selfish gains. That's it. He's doing this because then he just basically has full control over her all the time. Yep. This is like that moment when he brought Alice home. Like, I already knew he had gone into the dark side. That just sealed his fate for me. Absolutely. And I felt bad for Dana, too, because in that moment, like, she's she's seen some little glints mm-hmm. of him not being the best person, right? But she's, yeah. like, she kind of rationalizes it to herself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's talking about how, like, you know, she was really hoping she was going to rub off on him in a good way. But at the same time, you know, earlier in the book, she even says, like, I recognize that there's really only so much I can do because of the time period, right? And because of his life, the way he's been raised. Like, all I can do is hope that my presence can smooth this narrative mm-hmm. of my ancestry, right? That's all she can do. That's all she's setting out to do. She's like, I can't change the past. To change the past is to undo my future. Mm-hmm. To change the past is to possibly make things worse. So all I'm going to do is see if I can just smooth it out. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I can impact this person in a positive way and he won't be terrible. Mm-hmm. And this is like the first time that she really has to like reckon with the fact that her impact is increasingly small. Yeah, It's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller on him the longer he lives his life. And I have to tell you, like, at this point in the book, I mean, I know that, like, I know that there's going to be, you know, I know there's even more than this Mm -hmm. uh, coming up. But, like, part of me is just, like, how, how does that feel? Like, you're stuck in the past. You think it's your job to, like, make this person better. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that they're actually just a fucking monster. And you're still stuck in the past. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how, how is she supposed to reconcile her mission? Like, this whole time she thought she was being sent on this mission. Mm-hmm. And we have yet to see that come to fruition at all. The worst thing, too, is I'm worried that he's going to start going after her, too, at Me some too. point. And, like, one, already that's gross because that's, like, your many times great kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah, no. Like we already got a glimpse at the beginning that he tries to like pull her through and she loses her arm. So we know at some point, like he's actively doing stuff to get her there. Right. We just don't know why yet. Yep. Oh, Apparently, they cut off Alice's husband's ears because he tried to hit the judge's son. Mm-hmm. Um, again, talking back to the what happens when you rebel. Uh, yeah. And then Sarah tells Dana to ask Nigel to see if Bruce has actually sent the letter to Kevin. This yeah. is like... I just... One, I love Sarah for doing this. And two, like... 
the fact that Dana still fully trusts Rufus to do that. Yeah. Speaks volumes. Well, again, I think it parallels her relationship with her husband, right? Mm-hmm. She's, she's very much someone who accepts the idea of, you know, um, being treated better than others, mm-hmm. right? Other Better than other people have been treated. Like, I wouldn't say that she is, you know, someone who's like complicit in that or something like that. I think she just is like, well, that's just what's happening now. Mm-hmm. Like with Rufus, she's like, you know, he's mean to, like when he was mean to his mom, she's like, oh, he's so mean to Margaret. He's not mean to me. Mm-hmm. We have a bond. Yeah. So all this time, I think she's kind of gotten comfortable with the idea that he's like nice to her. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm going to try to get him to be nice to other people. Yeah. But like in that moment, when Sarah says that, I, I, I like, I put the book down. I was like, girl. I know. I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Sarah's like, you know, he says whatever he wants. Right. You know, he just like acts like he's fine. You know, he's mm-hmm. kind of like almost worse than his dad. Right. And you're yeah. just like, hold on. What? <laughs> I literally read that. And I was like, should I text Candace? I was like, oh, my God. You got to read it like three times, right? You're like, yeah. Did he send the letter? I know. He I was like, sent the letter. all of us readers too are probably like, oh yeah, of course he would. And then Sarah says that, and we're like, would he though? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, and and that's that's why I think Butler is such a masterful masterful writer mm-hmm. because like I've read plenty of first person narrative, mm-hmm. right? Plenty, tons. This was her first novel. Most people's first novels, I think, like a lot of them tend to be first person because it's easier to kind mm-hmm. of write from that one perspective. You can get real stream of consciousness with it in some mm-hmm. cases if you want. But like she does an excellent job putting you right in her shoes, like putting you right in Dana's shoes. Mm-hmm. Because like, I swear to God, like the like her, because she even says, she's like, wait, what? Did he do it? Oh my God, I have to ask Nigel. The second Sarah said that and Dana's like, uh... Yeah, that, that was that was my that was my exact reaction. I mm-hmm. went, oh, <laughs> I know? audibly gasped. Like I don't trust Rufus, mm-hmm. right? I trust Rufus way less than our main character does. Mm-hmm. But I still was like, of course he would send the letter. Why would yeah. he? Of course. What what reason could he possibly have mm-hmm. to not post the letter? And like yep. I love that she doesn't even give it away. We don't even have an answer. We just know that maybe he just didn't. Yep. That's all we know. I know. But then when Dana's like, hey, Nigel, do you know if he sent the letter? He goes, oh, I don't know. I was on like some sort of task, whatever, when he would have sent the letter. I was like, oh, my man did not send the letter. No way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, definitely didn't. But like, again, we're like, what is his motivation? Why would he just not send it? It's not like, like, sure, he likes Dana, but I didn't think he liked having her around that much until this moment i was like oh no yeah but like what are his purposes you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying and then the thing that really like at the end of that little section the thing that was the biggest gut punch is him talking about um this is alice alice sorry not alice is um aunt sarah Mm -hmm. talking to dana about like her husband right oh your husband's gonna come for you you know, hopefully he sent the letter. I know he loves you. He doesn't know the difference between black and white. Like, that's what Sarah says, mm-hmm. you know, to Dana about Kevin, mm-hmm. regardless of what we might think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, he's good for the 1800s. She, not so right. great for 1967. Correct. Six, 76. Sorry. So 
that was something else that stuck with me because Aunt Sarah's like, oh, my man was my man wasn't wasn't good. Like my man used to, you know, used to say, you know, whatever. Like, you know, he used to because she, she asks him, she asks her, like, oh, do you think Kevin's gonna come back for you? Mm-hmm. And Dana's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, it's hard because that's like the same fucking that echoes the yeah. Of course, he sent the letter. Like uh-huh. that's the same, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, at first, um, but then like she talks a little bit she doesn't say a lot about the the men the the men that like the guy that fathered her children mm-hmm. or any of that stuff she doesn't really she doesn't get personal a lot yeah with dana i feel like in this chapter she gets the most personal she's ever gotten mm-hmm. um over time so for the first time you hear sarah talk about her her man right she mm-hmm. refers to him as my man she's like oh my man didn't do that and dana assumes she's talking about carrie's dad oh and carrie's mm-hmm. carrie's father she's like no my eldest son's mm-hmm. father so she then goes on to say that he promised that he would free her and then said he was going to put it in his will. Mm-hmm. And she's still there. Like, she's still there. Oh, he used to tell me he loved me and then he'd be hitting me and beating me up the next second. Yeah. And then you find out that, like, Hannah, right? Um, the wife, the first wife mm-hmm. um, of Waylon, right? of Tom Whalen, that's who the, that's who fathered her children or her, at least her first child. So to me, in just that one like teeny paragraph, it's like five sentences. Mm-hmm. We learn so much about her. Mm-hmm. We learn that much like, I mean, if, again, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but like much like Thomas Jefferson, right? Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings, mm-hmm. Sally Hemings was actually his wife's sister. Yeah. Their half sister, yeah, because because Thomas Jefferson's wife, her father, used to sleep with Sally Hemings's mother, his mm-hmm. slave, right? So this has just been happening for generations because even she was the product of slavery from his father, mm-hmm. from Thomas Jefferson's like great father-in-law or mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So th- I think that's probably where she's drawing this, where, where Butler is drawing this parallel from is, is that relationship because like it would happen like that a lot of times in families mm-hmm. where like all of the men would just like sleep with their slaves and, and just not care. Yeah. So we know that Tom Whalen, that Tom Whalen's uh, father-in-law, right, was the kind of man that felt comfortable like doing this kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And like making this promise and like never coming correct, right? Never you know, coming through with that. Mm-hmm. And then he sold all of her children, except for Carrie, which means he sold his wife's half sis- half brothers mm-hmm. and sisters. Mm-hmm. Like, that is like some fresh hell I can't understand. Yeah. Like, that is some, that is some next level psychosis. And then because she, she specifies my oldest child's mm-hmm. father, I'm like, so how many other people, mm-hmm. how many other times has this happened to her? Yeah. Did it happen with Tom Whalen? Like, Probably. Who, who else has this woman had to put up with? So, like, we're all sitting here worried about, about Alice, right, with Rufus. Alice with this one man. Mm-hmm. And then this other woman, this older woman comes, right? She's got probably 15, 20 years on Alice mm-hmm. and acknowledges that, like, that was only the first time it happened to her. The worst part, like, too, is Dana literally pointed out that a bunch of the kids look like Tom Whalen. Yeah, she did. There's all kinds of kids all over the farm that look mm-hmm. like him from different women. Can you imagine having children and thinking, oh, great, I have more slaves. Oh, great, I have more people that I can sell off. I have more currency. I'm richer. Yeah. Because I have raped multiple women 
and force them to have my children. I also and now and now that they're attached to the children, I'm gonna sell them because it's gonna make me more money. The weird thing too is Margaret literally talked, or uh, Dana literally talked about how uh, a lot of the kids looked more like Tom Whalen than uh, Rufus, Rufus did. Yep, yep, because he looks like his mom with that red hair. Yeah, out of control. I just, I just can't imagine. Like I can't even imagine thinking that way to me it's 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 interesting to me that like america doesn't want or doesn't try to do more to acknowledge all of this because Mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious that this was poison it's pretty Mm -hmm. obvious that this entire system was it it hurts everybody not Mm -hmm. just black people you know what i mean it also kept white people down the reason that all of these like poorer white people like Tom Whalen, right? Who isn't like a rich fancy guy who has like Monticello or whatever. Like he's not wealthy. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy that has enough money for some slaves. Right. Yeah. So he's a farmer. So like, that's how deep this runs. Like this isn't even like you were talking about a rich man. We're talking about somebody who is trying to get by on the status quo. And the way he does that is by having slaves. Right. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm just like, it just it just it just boggles it just boggles my mind that like America doesn't do like the government especially doesn't work harder to like make reparations right mm-hmm. do something to honor this 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 atrocity mm-hmm. that happened on our soil like we still have Confederate soldiers that were fighting to keep slavery alive and well and to keep raping people right mm-hmm. we have people like that like in national monuments right so like when you think about that like I just George Washington was like that. George Washington was like, yeah, 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 don't worry, slaves, I'm going to free you. And then never freed them. He swore yeah. up and down he was going to free him in his will, and he didn't. You see what I'm saying? And that's our mm-hmm. founding father. And, like, I love my country. You know? I'm proud of the fact that we no longer have slavery. I'm not mm-hmm. proud of how long it took. Yeah. I'm not proud of how long people were just standing around talking about it. And we're like, yeah, eventually we're going to do something. And then they, like, did it in the worst possible way ever, just letting people go with no trade, no skill, no credit mm-hmm. no references no money no clothes like all they had was exactly what they had right now at that moment get the fuck yeah. out you know what i mean like that's or or stay here and just quietly still be a slave and i'm gonna pay you like three pennies a penny a day you yeah. know what i'm saying to to continue on right so i feel like it's 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 shocking to me that more hasn't been done to like address all of this and that people don't know because to me when you when you can talk about something right even just as a personal trauma when you can talk about your personal trauma without being triggered without like being going right back to that moment Mm -hmm. without feeling bad about something and how something happened right that's how you know you're over it Mm -hmm. but when you can't talk about it when you keep it under your hat that's when you know that like you still need more time you Mm -hmm. really got to you know do some work and you got to face this thing that happened to you for better or for worse Mm -hmm. right so what does that mean that we're always trying to sweep it under the rug yeah and under educate people on it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i it just it just rubs me the wrong way and like Reading this was so evocative of that. Like just seeing how like this woman, we're thinking one time she had a bad time, but no, it was the first time. Yeah. Like that's fucked up. I will say too, though, it doesn't surprise me that our country is, because we're still, we have a lot of things we need to work on. Like we are still at a point where like we can't even make sure that there's like equal housing opportunities. Like the minimum wage was still a big fight and we just started working on it. Like, this past year it's like as a country we have so far to go and everyone's like oh no we're fine we're doing great yep but i mean again like i think that the ability to grow Mm -hmm. and the ability to like the fact that we can and do have 
like systems in place mm-hmm. to hopefully assist people, right? And the fact that we have reform, mm-hmm. I think that all of those things could ladder up to mean a better future for everyone, right? For everyone involved. But I also think that that's something that's a little bit of an impossibility mm-hmm. because people don't want to admit where they come from. For example, right? Like generational wealth. Mm-hmm. The people who used to pick cotton, right? Were slaves. Mm-hmm. The people who owned them got rich off of them picking all that cotton. Mm-hmm. So flash forward to today, if you have somebody that is a billionaire, right? And they're a billionaire because they have this amazing cotton that they sell Mm -hmm. and they've been farming cotton in their family for generations right those people owe a debt to society because they never their fair hands never had to pick the cotton okay maybe in the 1900s late 1800s they started paying people to pick the cotton but before that right when they were making all their money and they were like buying senate seats and they were rubbing elbows with thomas jefferson and alexander hamilton Mm -hmm. they were slave owners and now those those people who pick that cotton, their descendants have nothing. Mm-hmm. And these other people's descendants have millions, if not billions of dollars from all of the work that other people have done historically, right? So it's like people are like, oh, well, that shouldn't matter. You know, they, they, they've made their money already. And it's like, well, yeah, but also no, they've made their money off of the backs of people and the blood and the sweat and the tears and the loss and the misery and the abject humiliation yeah. and trauma and terror of other people. It's like I was watching that show, um, that Bravo show, or it's I think it's like Southern Charm, you know, and two of the families in there, and they're like, we've like, our families have like always lived in Charleston for whatever and ever, and they're generationally wealthy, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what are the implications? Yeah, and everyone's not talking yeah. about it, and I'm like, ha ha, uh, do you know where your money comes from? Yeah, that's blood money. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I don't think that there's anything wrong with identifying that and looking mm-hmm. at that, like taking a hard look at that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person in 2021. You have nothing to do mm-hmm. with ha- what happened in 1862 or 1775 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever time it was. Like, that's not your battle. Mm-hmm. But the money that they have is soaked in blood. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, a charitable donation right? To let's say an HBCU, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, giving to the ACLU, helping the last prisoner project, helping, you know, um, the NAACP, right? Mm -hmm. Even, even let's say there's somebody, maybe you have a local school establishing, you know, a scholarship where you send five black kids to school, you know, to college for free every year, Mm -hmm. if they maintain a GPA of 3.0, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. right? That's going to do more good with that money that you owe someone else, right? Yeah. So, like, why not? And also, I feel like at this point, you have more money than God. Like, you have more yep. money than you and can ever spend in your lifetime. Yep. Your kids, like, you get to that point where you have so much money that, like, it, even if your kid and your kid's kid never works, like, they'll be set for life. Like, Correct. At that point, I'd be, like, giving half of my money to charity. Yeah. Because that's, like, I don't need it. Like, yeah. I could just give some of this money to, like, a hedge fund investor, earn it all back tomorrow. Like, right. 
that's what I'm saying. Like, especially because charitable giving mm-hmm. begets more money. Yeah. Especially because it makes you look like you really give a shit. Mm-hmm. Makes you look like you care, even if you don't. Like, it makes you look like you're a rock star, right? Like, I'm so nice. I'm donating my money. Whatever, right? So why not just be on the wrong on the right side of history? Right. Instead, there's silence. Mm-hmm. Even now, like the conversation about reparations is taking place very, very quietly. Um, and some cities and states have actually already started kind of taking steps. Like I know Illinois, I think it's been on their docket. Um, there are specific cities like throughout the Midwest that have thought about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Tulsa, obviously they need to pay their people, their black people, a ton of money for like Tulsa race massacre, you know, in the the early 1900s, like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but then people are like, well, if we do the work, that's admitting that it was a problem. And it's like, you don't have to admit that this was a problem. I think we all know it was a problem. That's why we don't talk about it. Literally. You know? (laughs) And I just, I think the thing that always bothers me about that conversation too is like you kind of said where they're like, well, I didn't do this, but like once again, this is a systematic problem, yes. you know, and by starting to break the cycle and being like, hey, I will give scholarships to kids or whatever, like family is in need or whatever, like that starts the process so that those kids, when they grow up, can have more money than their parents did. Yep, a little more equality and a little more generational wealth. That's yeah. it, because it has to start somewhere. Yeah. And we're looking at, like, this book is basically kind of, I mean, obviously it's not a specific treatise on this, but, you know, this is absolutely, like, this is a woman who is staring down the barrel of her of her heredity, right? Of her of her, her ancestors and the people that she comes, that she comes from. Mm-hmm. And having to kind of take stock and understand that she is the result of oppression. Mm-hmm. Like her life only exists because of oppression. Even me, I'm a ver- I'm a fairly fair-skinned mm-hmm. black woman. You know, my last name is McAfee. It's an Irish last name. Did I get that way because, you know, somebody fell in love and things were so romantic and the world was a really nice, happy, shiny place? Probably not. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. It was because somebody decided to kidnap my people a long time ago and now I look like this and have this last name. You know what I mean? And yeah. I can't like hate who I am or whatever. I can I can look at myself and appreciate how how I look and how I how I, you know, how I am and the opportunities that I have for the future and I can look toward the future, but it's not like I don't carry that with me. You know, when people want to ask me, "Oh, that's an interesting last name. Where is it from?" and I have to be like, "Slavery." That's yeah. not a great, you know what I mean? Like that's a it's an awkward conversation to have. Mm-hmm. But there are so many people who are just not aware. I was in a meeting and someone commented on how this woman's last name was a strong English name. Mm-hmm. And she was a dark skinned black woman. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, before you talk about how she has this English name and I wonder if she's from London, mm-hmm. you should probably instead recognize that she has a bachelor's degree in African-American studies. Yeah. And therefore is probably not British and instead is just somebody who accepts her history. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I think that was the most eye-opening thing I learned in high school is why uh, the last name Williams is so common in Black people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, thanks for that. Yeah. Like, I'm glad a teacher was like, hey, fun fact. Because I, no one would have told me about that. No one would have taught me that until I, like, come across someone that knew that or read about it. Yeah. But it's like, that's horrifying because that kind of like really throws into scope how widespread this was you know like yeah. like that's basically 
Alice could have been anyone. Anyone. She is anyone. Mm -hmm. I actually think that's kind of the point. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, obviously, I don't want, I'm not going to, you know, speak to how things are going to turn out because we're trying to, like, read this a little bit at a time Mm -hmm. so that we can, you know, pace ourselves and and chat. Yeah. Um, But I really think that that's, that, I think we're going to find that that's that's the reason that this journey exists. Mm -hmm. To recognize that, like, this is a shared experience with so many people. And I think it speaks volumes that like you have a whole portion of society mm-hmm. for whom this reality is an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I'm not going to say that I wake up in the morning and I'm like slavery on the brain. No, but like yeah. there are times when it comes up mm-hmm. and it's been hundreds and hundreds of years. And I don't know anything. You know what I mean? Like all I know is what I read, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't there. Yeah. So then you have this person go back in time and witness all of this and recognize like, this affected everybody. And it's really unfortunate to recognize that you have an entire population of America for whom this is in all the time kind of realization. Mm-hmm. And then a whole other swath of people for whom they never talk about this. They never think about it. They never you know, question it. They don't want to talk about it now. They're doing everything they can to bury this you know, being taught in schools. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because you don't want people to know where your money comes from. Yeah, this kind of like is reminiscent of the fact that some t- one time someone asked me if I could go back to any point in history where I'd want to go back to. And I literally was like, the That's a hard question for me. Well, the thing for me is like the <laughs> furthest back I want to go is the 80s. That, yeah. Because, and that is the only time I would feel a like crumb of safety being a yep. woman alone. Yep. Like, and I couldn't imagine, like, I already, well, one, I have white privilege, so, but I'm still a woman alone. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you ask that question, like, so many people could not be safe if they go any time past the 80s. Like, yeah. 70s, sure, but, like, 1970 is your cutoff. Like, at that point, any further back, so many people would be unsafe. Like, the only person that can be like, oh, you know, the 50s might be cool is a white man. So, I mean, I've I've had that very same conversation, mm-hmm. right? And it's difficult because I've even found myself saying, oh, I was born in the wrong time period. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I'd been born in this other time. Because it's hard for me to reconcile these amazing, like, milestones in time, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, the 20s was amazing because of the Harlem Renaissance. But the 20s also saw a huge flight of african-american people Mm -hmm. to europe because they weren't allowed to pretty much do anything here right Mm -hmm. even louis armstrong like louis armstrong one of the greatest musicians of all time used to have to use the back door when he would go perform at a white club like that was his reality which is why he used to perform a lot in paris you see ella fitzgerald right all these you know notable billy holiday all these notable african-american you know visionaries Mm -hmm. and and icons that found more success overseas you know what i mean even Mm -hmm. nella larson there's a new movie called passing that just came out she wrote that i'm pretty sure in denmark her character like moves away and everything like that Mm -hmm. um so it's it's interesting to to be like oh yeah i want to go back to that time because it would be cool but then like where would i be right or when i was you know i used to dance burlesque Mm -hmm. i was like oh yeah man the 50s and 60s that was a great time but then i'm like oh but if i actually went back to the 50s and 60s i wouldn't be dancing burlesque in a club Mm -hmm. you know um filled with all different kinds of patrons. Like if I want to go dance for less today, I'd you know, have all kinds of people watching me. Mm-hmm. I would either 
be at a rally or a march trying to march for my freedom. Yeah. Or I would probably be working for somebody. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be like, it's not like, it's not like all of a sudden, you know, I'm just exempt to the rules of the time period. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's hard. It's really hard because I I love the influence of those time periods. You know, I love like mid-century modern furniture, you know, Mm -hmm. like watching Mad Men was like a feast for my senses. But again, like those black women weren't equal. Yeah. Even working in the same office, even working for these people, they were still put upon. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's definitely crazy. And it's, it's wild to be reading this and recognize how little things have changed yeah. while having to be thankful for how much they've changed. Yeah. Yeah. Long tangent. Sorry. No, it's <laughs> fine. That's what we're here for. That's honestly the reason people come to the Barely Bookish podcast because if they wanted to actually hear about the story, they just read an audiobook, listen there to an go. audiobook. That is true. <laughs> You come to the commentary. So, um, Alice is starting to wake up. Her memory is not there. She doesn't remember who Dana is. She doesn't know why she's here. But she's just kind of, like, she's so, uh, what is that called? She's, like, turned into herself so much that she's, like, reverted to almost being a child again. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Also, her head injuries, I think, too, because, mm-hmm. like, she basically almost got trampled by that horse trying to run behind it. Yeah, and she also got, like, ripped apart by a dog and everything, mm-hmm. too. Like, she's got some serious PTSD going on. Tons. So, you know, this happens for a couple pages, and then Alice starts to start remember. And she's like, where's my husband? What's going on? Why am I here? What's happened? And Dana has to grab her before she makes a scene and basically like holds her hostage and like shush her so that she doesn't raise the alarm and like become a notice. Yep. So also at the same time, uh, Carrie and Nigel are having their child. Uh, so Sarah is out and Dana's having to cook while this is all happening. And of course, like Dana can't really help Alice because if she doesn't cook, then Sarah's gonna get beat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's just a lot happening right now. Um, and then Alice is like pissed that Dana didn't say anything and didn't let her die, and she's also convinced that like Rufus snitched, which mm-hmm. I don't blame Alice at all. I would be convinced of the exact same thing. We have no reason to trust Rufus at all. That's true. Um, that kills me, though, when Alice is, like, looking at Dana and asking her, what's it like to be a slave? Yeah. And she doesn't know that she's a slave. Yeah. That, like, that wrecked me in a big way, man. That, that got me in my soul. And, like, again, like, that's what I'm saying about this. This writing is so masterful mm-hmm. because, like, you know that's what Dana's feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that's what she's feeling. Because Alice is like, oh, yeah, my mom always said I'm going to marry a free man. I should have mm-hmm. married a free man. My mama had these big dreams for me. She's she's trying to plan a future. She's talking about what's next for her. Mm-hmm. She's talking about her life. She's, like, hoping and dreaming. And she has all these aspirations, only to then find out, just kidding, you're a slave. I was tearing up reading this part. It was really like it rough. Murdered me. Yeah. Murdered me. Murdered me. Gut punch couldn't like even now talking about it like i i mean i i I can't imagine that like you wake up from a major injury Mm -hmm. 
you don't really know where you are for half of it. Mm-hmm. And then someone tells you, oh, by the way, your body is no longer your own mm-hmm. and you can't go wherever you want and you can't go back to your house and you can never go back to this life you've lived mm-hmm. for 20 years. Yeah. Your life is just gone because you loved someone. Like it's, and I think the thing that really was gross too is that like even when Dana's talking to Rufus, Rufus is like, well, hopefully she won't remember. That's enough for him, her not remembering. Yeah. We can go back to the way it was before. It's been so good. And Dana's like, this is this is good to you? Yeah. She's literally a child like, right now. He's like, well, she didn't. She hasn't hated me. So not hating him is good enough for him. Yeah. Hatred is where he draws a line. If she hates me, then that that sucks. But like, we know that doesn't stop him. I know. I just, just want to know what happened in those five years that uh, Kevin was raising Rufus, essentially. Yeah. Because obviously there's a lot that happened there, and it's adjusted Rufus into now being more like Tom. See, to me, like, that's, to me, that is, that's the mistake mm-hmm. right there, right? I personally think that if Kevin had stayed, mm-hmm. Rufus might have been a better person. Yeah. Right? Because Margaret has her has her babies and she goes crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So like even that like guiding force of like his, like being at least halfway decent so his mom won't like get in his ass, mm-hmm. like even that's gone. Like and we know that Tom ignores the hell out of his son. Mm-hmm. So in be- in trying to avoid being like him, of course he becomes just like him if not worse because he has no guiding light mm-hmm. because Kevin leaves. And that's what I'm saying, like I'm sure Kevin wasn't like oh, I'm going to leave here and, you know, mm-hmm. fuck everything. I'm sure that wasn't like, I'm sure he wasn't being malicious, mm-hmm. but he clearly didn't think through whether or not he should, he should stay. Yeah. I just clearly didn't think through. I don't know. I'm very curious about what happened in this five year, whatever it was, gap, because obviously something happened to drive Kevin away. And... All that we have is the result that uh, that Rufus is more like his father than ever. So yep. something happened. We don't know yet. And I have a lot of questions about that gap period. Same. Because it's obviously not good. Then we get the kind of reveal that apparently Tom told Rufus that he wanted Rufus to use Dana instead of Alice. And I was like, that is disgusting. Yeah. Like, for multiple reasons, not even being that she literally saw Rufus when he was, like, five. He's not thinking that, though. Yeah, I guess they're close in age now, but, like, ew. Still ew. Yep. Super disgusting. Yeah. Um, I also think that, like, the the thinly veiled result right mm-hmm. of of isaac running away too kind of comes up mm-hmm. where they're talking about how like you know they cut his ears off and now he's trying to like heal from the beating he took mm-hmm. and how they're selling him like literally down the river like they're selling him down the mississippi mm-hmm. which everybody knows is like the further south you get the worse mm-hmm. you're treated and that's like just known and like i feel like you know because of that tom and rufus feel like oh it's not that bad yeah to be with us which i think is part of the reason why it's so easy for them to just kind of imagine that they could own dana Mm -hmm. because dana so far has been accommodating compared to to others like those other slaves do what they need to do 
right? These enslaved people do what they need to do because they are terrified mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons, right? But Dana's not, like, Dana doesn't do things out of fear for mm-hmm. the most part. You know, even when she needs to, like, you know, our last chapter where she's, like, teaching, you know, young Nigel how to read. Yeah. Like, she needed to be afraid and she wasn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So she she's fearless. And I don't know, like, what Tom Whalen thinks is going to come of that if if he does take Dana instead of Alice. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like is he are they like is he prepared to to break her? Because again, yeah. like Alice is a fighter, but she's not Dana. She's not. As, yeah. She doesn't know what Dana knows. Also, like Tom literally saw her teleport away in front of his eyeballs. Like, how does that not strike fear into your heart? Yep. Yep, I agree. <sighs> So then we find out it's been a month since Dana wrote the letter. And I was like, okay, there's no way Rufus sent it at this point. Because we don't even have like a message back from Kevin or anything. So then Tom finds out about this letter and he is not happy. At all. At all. Um, and basically requires Rufus to send it. And he's like, yeah, my dad's like your words your bond or whatever but he says i shouldn't have promised it to you yep which like i guess it's good that tom's a man of his word but like then he also says you shouldn't have promised yeah which this whole situation yeah, because they used to do they used to do that all the time yeah. oh, don't promise but again that's 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 in contrast mm-hmm. to the way that like tom's father-in-law was tom's father-in-law used to promise shit all the time namely to sarah yeah and didn't come through so it it is interesting to me as a character trait Mm -hmm. that tom whalen cares that much like he's not he's he's okay with lying yeah because he's like if you don't promise you don't have to deliver right he's fine with like leaving out the truth Mm -hmm. like he's fine with lying by omission that's fine for him Mm -hmm. right tell people whatever you want but never promise because you promised you have to go and send this letter now yeah like that's a very thin line Mm -hmm. At least it's a line, which is all we can hope for. I mean, compared to Rufus, yeah, at least there's a line. Yeah. Like, that's wild to me. Like, that we're starting to see all the ways that his dad is, like, a more upstanding man than he is, even though we're thinking that all this whole time this person's a nightmare. Yeah. That that does not bode well for anybody on this, uh, on this farm. Yep. And then we get to the moment where Rufus tells Dana he wants her to convince Alice to be with him out of control like one why is alice or sorry why is dana your wingman situation right now listen and then also rufus basically is like listen i would like her to come of her own accord but it doesn't matter if she doesn't come of her own accord like he's just gonna make it happen like what's the the point he basically is like she can come quietly or i'm gonna get her yeah she can either come now because she she understands this is the way it's going to work mm-hmm. and we're going to be peaceful and she's going to let me love her, mm-hmm. which like clearly this is anything but love. Or I'm going to come for her. Mm-hmm. That's like someone going, hey, so there's a bully outside. They said they're just going to come in here and like rip you out of your chair in the middle of class if you don't go outside. Yeah. You'd be like, I'm not going outside. No bully's going to come in here for me. Yeah. But like for this lady, he could absolutely come for her. Mm-hmm. And be within his rights because she's now his slave. Yep. Like, that's fucked up. Even Tom, he admits it. He's like, oh, well, you know, um, it was a waste of time healing her. You're just going to have to whip her sick again to get what you want from her. 
what and the worst part is was that like, the conversation tom knows this is all happening and yeah. he's just like whatever like well because to him this is just life this is normal that's what you do that's what you do with these women that's what you do talking about this book is so hard yeah yeah and I think the thing that, that that's the craziest for me is that like all of this is actual, like is pulled from actual mm-hmm. history. Like this actually happened to people. And that's, and that's what I think is really interesting about like the combination. Like we talked about this a little bit last time, but like the combination of historical fiction and sci-fi, mm-hmm. like you have this sci-fi is like this whole realm of possibility, right? What could happen? The unknown, mm-hmm. right? It's based in science for the most part, right? what could happen because science is all about hypotheses and all that stuff. But it's definitely not supposed to be grounded in real life mm-hmm. necessarily. Right. Other than like maybe the location, but then it's also historical fiction. So the fiction part here is who it is happening to, yeah. not what is happening. You know what I'm saying? What is happening is the historical part. And to me, it's, it's, Again, like I've studied this on my own in my life. Um, so it's not surprising, but it never gets, I'm never jaded by it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been learning about slavery and systemic racism and all that stuff my whole life. And it never gets any easier. You never just like open the book and start reading and you're like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I've read this book twice before and can't remember how it ends because it's, it's a lot. Yeah. You know, like that's some space in my mind that, could be held for other things than obsessing over how ridiculous things used to be mm-hmm. and kind of still are. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's amazing and it's unforgettable, but the details are hard to hold on to because they're, they're very harsh truths about mm-hmm. an entire time, an entire multiple centuries in our country's history. Yeah. It's crazy. I wish like, that this was required reading me too you know skip the color purple man that's not it's not getting you anywhere yeah that's alice walker's weakest book i had to read that as a kid too yeah and i only remember like the fact that uh the main character got raped that's all i remember about that book yeah because it horrified me because you know here's the thing too is that in high school they don't put trigger warnings about things like that you know, and that's not something I was prepared for going in, having only read, you know, like YA fantasy. Sure. Like Warrior Cats was my book. <laughs> and then I went from Warrior Cats to like normal YA dystopian to then having to read The Color Purple and no one prepared me for that. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like most teachers aren't even really prepared to teach it, mm-hmm. especially because like, again, like you can't have... It's hard to separate a person's work, mm-hmm. especially if it is historical fiction, because that is definitely historical fiction, right? It takes place in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, it is hard to extract a person from that, right? Mm-hmm. So like, for example, Night by Elie Wiesel, right? Clearly that is you know autobiog- autobiographical, so a little different. Mm-hmm. Or like The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, right? Any book that's like about the Holocaust, it's going to be extremely hard for anybody mm-hmm. to separate you know, the Holocaust, like the reality of the Holocaust and the reality of the people who are descendants of those who, who had to deal with that and struggled through that mm-hmm. and the story, right? 
So if you don't teach anybody about the Holocaust, but then you read The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, or you don't teach the Holocaust at all, you don't talk about it in your history books, Mm -hmm. you just leave it alone, and then you read Boy in the Striped Pajamas, Mm -hmm. that's not going to make sense to anybody. Like, you're not going to be able to really get all of the symbolism. You can get some of the more obvious pieces of symbolism, right? Mm -hmm. Systemic inequity, you know, whatever, this this, this kid is, you know, his innocence is taken from him, right? You can get those base base understandings Mm -hmm. from it. But without an actual understanding of what happened and what transpired and when it when it happened, right? Mm-hmm. Who was there? I mean, even X Men, X Men number one has a whole scene devoted to Eric Lencher's experience, right? Yeah. During the Holocaust. So if you don't know anything about the Holocaust, you're gonna watch the X Men movie and be like, mm, you know what I mean? I don't I have no context for this. I don't yeah. understand. But because the Holocaust is taught in schools, anybody can watch X Men and go, Oh man. That was a really terrible time. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize Magneto comes from that beginning, right? Mm-hmm. You can understand it. You can bridge that gap. But with something like the bluest eye or the color purple, if you're not teaching slavery and you're not teaching civil rights and you're not teaching Jim Crow mm-hmm. and you're not teaching, you know, uh, um, you know, all the like the antebellum South, right? Mm-hmm. Before all of this, all that progress, you know, in quotation marks, before all of that happened, right? If you're not teaching any of those integral parts of what black Americans have gone through mm-hmm. to become seen as even slightly more equal in this country, right? Then you can't possibly understand the color purple. Yeah. You can't possibly understand the bluest eye. All you can understand is, Oh, like I remember I was in a class one time and this girl was talking about the bluest eye and she's like, well, you know, because like in the bluest eye, she just like wanted to be white so bad. And I'm like, that's not the story. Yeah. The story is she feels ugly because the world tells her that she is mm-hmm. right. It's not that she's taking it upon herself to try to be beautiful mm-hmm. because that's what she, that's what she thinks beauty is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't look in the mirror at my curly hair and go, ugh, you know, like yeah. wish it was straight because straight hair is just so superior. No, mm-hmm. I can do so much more with my hair. You can do so much more with your hair than a straight haired person, right? You've got mm-hmm. beautiful curls in your hair. Like you can wear it curly, straight, up, down, mm-hmm. whatever, grow short, long. Like you're not saying that because you feel that way. That mm-hmm. comes from somewhere. Society is telling you yeah. your hair is frizzy or too big or too nappy or whatever. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like other people are informing that. You don't feel that way just on your own. So I think it's 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 hard to, you know, even have like equality with, with authors and, and who we're reading instead mm-hmm. of reading, you know, Huck Finn for the millionth time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or yeah. whatever, like. Instead, like reading something that's actually going to affirm um, your understanding of the world and and, and hopefully expand it, right? Well, it's Um, like also too, remember, I was not getting, you know, any sort of American history when that book was given to me. I just was like handed the color purple and they're like, write a 40 page paper about this book. And I was like, this is horrifying. Why did you give this to me? The book is is so short. The book is like barely 40 pages. I know. That's crazy. (laughs) exactly the problem um and i was like this is scary please take this away from me i don't want it and my teacher was like do it and i was like i don't understand anything that's happening right now thank you yeah because that's what i'm saying you had no context i was like a sophomore in high school too like who gives they're like hey i know you haven't learned anything about the world that you live in good luck yeah required reading yeah gotta be diverse and people know this movie so you know what i mean especially again like that's one of her weaker Mm -hmm. books i mean it's a great book don't get me wrong it's a great book the movie is also really good yeah right i haven't seen the musical i heard the musical is fantastic it's won all kinds of awards but again like you have to have context 
Mm-hmm. You have to understand what's going on because if you don't, like you're just lost, yeah. you know, and it's a waste of everybody's time. Oh yeah. Diversity for diversity's sake, instead of actually trying to learn and educate yourself and occupy, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like educate your students, help them figure out, you know, the kind of people they want to be, help them not make the same mistakes that have been made in the past, like, you know, whatever. The thing too, is that the teacher was actually like a black woman who was like getting her PhD in like textbook writing, like English mm-hmm. PhD. So it's like she could have done so much about like being like, hey, my students, this is why we're doing this. Or like she also made us read The Kite Runner, which also Mm -hmm. horrified me because, again, a very brutal rape scene in that, too. Uh, And I didn't know why I was reading that. Again, I think I was either a freshman or sophomore. So like freshly out of like middle school. I was like, could you at least give some context of why we're reading this? And she didn't. And it was. I just wonder if she was even allowed. I don't know. Like you're going to school in Florida yeah. and we know that Florida doesn't have the best track record of, you know, of, of fair and equal mm-hmm. representation. Um, I actually think that Florida used to teach that like weird revisionist Southern history for a while, really? like at least the panhandle where like there wasn't really a civil war anyway. So let's not talk about it. Oh and, yeah. Like, I didn't get any civil war stuff. I mean, either. the fact that you went through an entire life of, of, of education mm-hmm. in Florida school systems and you had to still educate yourself about American history mm-hmm. like that tells you everything you need to know it's like, I, so I'm sure that lady was like well this is a book that you can read yeah and this is a way that I can like assert how I feel mm-hmm. and my belief systems to hopefully like get some of you to like do some of your own research yeah because I I do have friends that um that were challenged especially in northern Florida mm-hmm. and central Florida um challenged like even up to like 10 years ago with their curriculum and what they were or were not allowed to say what they were or were not allowed to teach and like you will get in trouble and you can lose your job if people feel like you're saying something that they don't that parents don't agree with or whatever you know so that's what was going on on the curriculum i don't know i could not figure out what was happening i just remember like hating that teacher because she would assign like the longest papers possible about (laughs) that's trash yeah the the length of the paper the worst part too especially for kids she made us print it Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. We can't submit <laughs> anything online. We were in high school. So we had to print like 50 pages and I had to pre-plan printing them because uh you can't just print 50 pages. No, you got to like make sure you have paper and ink mm-hmm. and no one else in your house. And you can't print at school it. and like yeah. one is that not like a priv- a little bit of a privilege that you even have Absolutely. a printer at your house? absolutely i don't have a printer and i'm an adult woman. i don't have a printer either like yeah i have to go to fedex kinko's if i need to i know and like <laughs> and it was it was ridiculous and also i found out that she didn't even read it because i had a friend who only turned in 20 pages versus my 45 we got mm-hmm. the same grade oh my god no yeah because i like she also had us turn in these giant papers towards like the end of the year and it's like yeah you didn't plan that very well when you're also working on your doctorate miss lady because it's busy work yeah it is it was ridiculous like i just i don't know i wish this would have been assigned versus the color purple because this at least would have allowed me to feel something with the main character because i have a basis of understanding her from yeah. her modern day perspective and then she like leads she takes your hand and leads you through this journey with her whereas yeah. the other books i didn't have anything to understand because again i wasn't taught american history i didn't know yeah. what was going on no one told me anything right so and i yeah. i think that like it's it's a lot to expect 
kids under the age of 18 to just educate themselves, right? Yeah. It has to come from somewhere. Someone has to have that conversation. And I think that, you know, a book like this, and again, like a testament to, to Butler, because this isn't a long book. Mm -hmm. I mean, what is this? Like just over 200 pages, I think. Maybe it's got to be close to 264. Okay. 264 pages, right? Mm -hmm. That's not crazy by any stretch of the imagination. The average book, I'd say, is probably like more like three. 350 if not more for the average novel mm -hmm. so like this is a relatively short book and even if you're coming into this without any prior knowledge of all of these historical events mm -hmm. she packs so much information into such a small amount of text like she she's very purposeful and very thoughtful with her writing you know what i mean because she she wants to make sure that the reader can understand and there's so much humanity in this book as well like all of these characters feel like real people they feel like they exist in the world you know what i mean um and i think that that's like a huge credit to her and her writing like her writing style she's just so she's very evocative mm -hmm. in her writing you know what i mean for better or for worse like whether she's depicting something that's amazing and fun and cute and exciting you know what i mean mm -hmm. all the way down to things that are hard to swallow yeah um and i like that she gives like she gives the information in a way where if you already know the information, you go, oh yeah, that's fucking right. Oh no. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know the information, you're like, what? This is my first time reading it. Yeah. Oh my God. You know what I mean? So it's not like it's, you know, it's not even like she's, you know, cause they, like people like Anne Rice and Stephen King, they get like really deep in the weeds with their exposition. Yeah. Just pages and pages of nonsense. Like, and they're, they're great writers, mm -hmm. but you don't always need that. But this lady is like, here is one paragraph that sums up exactly why this person is feeling the way that they're feeling mm -hmm. with some examples of historical figures that also experience the same thing. So anyway, and then yeah. she moves on. She like name drops right. things so that you can also yeah. do further reading. Like yep. there's a lot of things that even this, in this call I learned about, like not just today, but like through this whole source of reading that I had never yeah. heard of before. Because yeah. again, I am just now starting to do my life research of mm -hmm. things that happened in American history because that's what you got to do as an adult. You have to reteach yourself. Uh, yeah. So a lot of this stuff is like things I've heard because of social media has talked about it or like mm -hmm. things I've heard because in passing someone's mentioned it. So it's like, I like that she even just kind of things that you should know about. Mm -hmm. like being an american citizen you should know about these things she still gives you like she said like you know nate turner and things like that mm -hmm. and she's like there's and she gives you like a small summary of what they are doing right now she's like one day right. they'll become this person who does this so right. she it doesn't feel like octavia butler judges people for not knowing things that they should right. and i like that right because i feel like a lot of literature too it's like it's hard coming to the reality already that i don't know that much that i should know so it's like mm -hmm. and it's worse when i'm reading things and they're like you should already know this like right. i know i should already know this but please don't talk down to me about it because i'm trying right. i'm doing that like research now right you know so i like yeah. that's one thing i really have to give props to octavia butler for for her never feeling like i'm being talked down to while i'm reading yeah like it's beautiful and I, I think I think part of that too comes from the fact that like, like you're young, mm -hmm. right? You're younger than I am anyway. Um, and I think sometimes like people are tired of having the same conversations over and over again. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't, I'm not one of those people that are like, it's not my job to explain racism to you. Like yeah. I'm not that person because I know that I have the ability to have a calm and purposeful conversation about it. Mm -hmm. 
but like not everybody is. Yeah. And sometimes like I think when people, you know, write things where they're like, you should know this or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And they get real judgy. It's because they're like, oh, it's 2021 and everybody should already know this stuff. But like, there are still people who don't even really understand anything about like Malcolm X or Martin Luther King Jr. Like, So you can find me um, on a variety of platforms like Instagram and uh, YouTube at Candace the Magnificent, all one word. That's Candace with an A. Um, and then you can also find me um, on uh, the Dungeon Jedi Masters theater podcast called Scattered Choices. You can find that on Spotify or Apple, iTunes, wherever it is that you get your, uh, your pods from. Um, that is a short series Star Wars 5e Dungeons and Dragons campaign that sounds more like a radio show. Um, you can also find me on YouTube or Twitch at Valor Studios, V-A-L-O-R-E, like lore, like uh, stories and storytelling, um, in a game called Deadlands, which is a Western, a weird West-themed uh, role-playing game. Um, but yeah, if you want to just find me myself, definitely go to YouTube. I've got cute ice cream videos up there if you're into that kind of thing. I'm always into ice cream. Always, yeah. right? That's why I was like, this is a safe mm-hmm. option to like base some videos on because everyone wants yeah. that. I mean, honestly, craving it kind of right now. Yeah, me too. Right? <laughs> all right, but we'll catch you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Bailey Bookish Podcast. If you want even more content, please consider joining the Patreon. It's all donation-based, so for as low as $3 a month, you can get access to exclusive episodes, early access to content, uh, you get to join the Patreon-only Discord, which is fun, but yeah, you get a lot of cool features. And this month, um, over on Friday, we will have a brand new early, uh, sorry, exclusive episode, which is our Pride and Premeditation episode with um, Bethany from Prince Kai Fan Pod. So that'll be a whole lot of fun. Um, also, I've been doing even more writing sprints over on Twitch. So if you want to hear me and hang out with me and get some writing done, please consider joining me over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash bookish. But I will see you guys next week, week with even more Kindred. Our logo was designed by my little sibling, Sarah. Our theme song was by Raphael Crux. I'll see you all later. Bye!